Hey, Roar Nation, welcome to episode 71. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now, get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. All right, War Nation, I am fired up. So I have listened to my listeners. Believe it or not, I've gotten a lot of requests for having more women on the show. Last week, we brought on my wife, my beautiful wife. Uh, I think we just talked about life and business and how to make it all work. But this week, I'm really fired up because this is something that is big on my heart, which is Christian counseling. Because I am a big believer, all of us have to deal with a lot of crap in our life, and some of us more than others, and I've had to deal with a mountain myself growing up. And that being said, we all need coaches. I've played football, wrestling, baseball, did it all. I had a coach in every sport. And the reason I had a coach was because to get to where I needed to go, I need somebody to push me to be the best me. And the funny thing is, is the coaches that I hated the most because they pushed me so hard were the ones that when I was done, I respected the most because they got me to where I needed to be. So that being said, I'm super excited to introduce to you Dr. Bush. Dr. Bush, are you ready and fired up? Yes, I am. Let's do this. All right. So Dr. Bush owns and runs a Christian counseling organization, also known as Christian Coaching and Counseling Academy Online. Dr. Bush, we can I, I could talk about you. You have a great website, what you do. We've talked a little bit about your history, but I want you to tell my listeners just kind of an overcap of who you are and what you do, and then we'll jump even more into it as the show goes. All right. That'll work well. Well, I want to thank you for your warm welcome and for this opportunity, John. Absolutely. You're welcome. I am what most people would consider a lifelong entrepreneur or a serial entrepreneur. I have started and operated many types of businesses over the years. These include publishing, a home health care enterprise that still exists in Louisville, Kentucky, a matchmaking service for the marriage-minded, and now I have been creating curriculum and administering the Professional Christian Coaching and Counseling Academy since the early 2000s. And we've got some new things on the horizon as well. I was raised in a Christian home and accepted the Lord as my Savior back when I was 20. And I was in college then. I'm very blessed to share the loves of my life with the love of my life, my husband, Evan. Even though I founded the Christian Coaching and Counseling Academy, he joined me after a couple of years and is now the president of it and oversees the audio, video, technology, and production and the certification department. We both love the Lord, but as you know, if you do any work with your wife, it still can be a little difficult to work together. But fortunately, we've kind of figured it out. In fact, sometimes we even do a seminar on it, on working with your spouse, and we've just learned to give each other space so that we can thrive in our own gift. Yes. And besides work, we love boating and jet skiing in southwest Florida because we're right near the Gulf of Mexico here, so it's 20 minutes by water out to the Gulf. 
That sounds really nice this time of year since it's about to get cold here in Texas. I think I'll have to make a trip with my family to Florida (laughs) where it's going to be warmer. Okay. So, Dr. Bush, let's talk a little bit about, I didn't even know that, so that's awesome. I love entrepreneurship. I've had, like you, multiple businesses. Let's get into the coaching side of it, though. How did you start? Where was that journey of getting into what you do? Uh, in coaching specifically? Yeah, or, or you can even talk about some of your journey, just of things you've learned, because, yeah, we're going to get into more of the coaching side, but what was the process, I guess, or your life journey of getting into coaching? Okay, well, that that's kind of interesting. I had actually, I, I had a background in Christian counseling, and... Back in the early 2000s, this this goes back a little bit, I had been an independent publisher of my city's magazine for a number of years. And then one day, a couple of new publications emerged that had a much broader readership because of the way they were delivering their publication and significantly lower ad rates. Well, they were bankrolled by big corps, and I didn't have the means to compete with them. So as a result, my ad revenue quickly dropped to where it was no longer possible to keep publishing. So I was at a crossroads because I really knew what I loved to do, but it wasn't working any longer. So I think the hardest part of that was just waiting to see what God was going to reveal that my next step would be. And I knew it was probably going to be a business because that was my thing. But, you know, I had the background in Christian counseling, but I wasn't really passionate about it at that time because the way I had been trained, it just wasn't very effective. So I started looking for something better and came upon life coaching. But, you know, as a believer, I sought a biblical curriculum, but I couldn't find one. And now here's a little known fact, and that is that I actually did take an excellent secular course to learn the profession and get my foundation. But once that was over, I knew that God had a better way. I just had to find it. So knowing my dilemma, actually, my husband suggested that I look into creating a curriculum specifically for spirit-led Christian life coaching, because if I needed it, like the others did too. And there were a couple of programs out there with Christian titles, but they had been created by secularly trained psychologists who modeled their own profession and then added some scripture to appeal to the Christian market. So I created the curriculum, and that's how the Professional Christian Coaching and Counseling Academy was born. And as soon as I got the word out that it was available, enrollments began to come in. And it turns out there was a huge need that wasn't being met. I love that. What I, I love your story because obviously something, one thing closed and then you're on the journey to find something else and it's not there. So I love mm-hmm. your spirit. You're just like, well, we're just going to make this happen. If we can't that, find it, we're going to do it. That's the way I roll. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I love that part about it. What has been kind of like a success quote or a scripture for you during you know, the last couple of years, or maybe even this season of your life? Well, there's many, but one of my favorites, and I think a lot of people tie me to this quote, because when they're talking about me or writing about me, they usually include this. And that is a little sign that I have on my desk. It says, duty is mine, the results are God's. Um, duty is mine, the results are God. Yes. and then uh, because, because nothing happens unless we show up and take action. Thank you for saying that. I have been trying to tell people that for years. Uh, there's so much. I can't tell you more during the charismatic, I don't want to say a charismatic movement. That would be 
not right, but years past, I came out of a charismatic movement, and, and I would just hear people say, well, I'm just waiting on God. Oh, yeah. And I would hear people say that for literally years, and I'm like, get off your butt and go do something and just see what happens, because I, I can't read anywhere in Scripture except in the upper room that God told him to do something, and then he showed up. But besides that, people went out and did stuff. Like, yeah. And then God showed up. It was kind of an act of faith. Just go do something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you when you look at this, duty is mine and results are God's, what it does is that it really lets God be God in your life. And it helps you keep things in perspective. Because when we remember that it's our duty to take action, but remember that it's God who brings the results, then, you know, and, and that's with either, you know, our income or the progress with our clients or anything. It keeps us humble and it relieves the pressure of trying to be God in our own life or anyone else's. Yeah. It also, it lessens the temptation to allow false idols to creep into our lives by worshiping success for success sake. We remember where it comes from, so we don't worry that our needs are going to be met. We can now live in a way that glorifies God instead of getting overwhelmed. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So let's jump into this. So, uh, And you know this is the, is the digging deep question, but sure. so there's times in our lives where, okay, let's say we jump out, but let's just say it's just not working, right? And we're frustrated, but at the same time, and for a lot of people, I think it's even making transitions in businesses. So, you know, there's been several times in my life where you're thinking, you know, how am I going to make next month's rent or mortgage or that because we're in a transition, maybe we don't have money saved yet or we're young or any of those things. Mm -hmm. Take me to a moment for you where you just had to trust knowing, okay, God's going to work this out, but this is really hard for me right now trying to make one of those transitions. Do you have a story for me on one of those? Well, I have a story for you on something that's related to that because we were talking about a huge challenge. Yes. But there have been many. You know, when when you're an entrepreneur, there are a lot of ups and downs in your income because there's always a calculated risk factor with what you're doing. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way you expect. And sometimes you really have to, you just have to trust God. But I can't say that I have been there 100% of the time. I mean, when the market crashed, and you know, the, the community that we're in here in Southwest Florida is highly reliant on, on builders and developers to keep the economy going. And when the market crashed back in like 2008, 2009, 2010, I mean, it was like every other house was a foreclosure. Yep. It was horrible. And the, you know, people's trust and, and doing business with anybody was at an all-time low. And it was actually a couple of years before it affected the academy, but ultimately it did. And there were many teary conversations I had with my husband. Okay, what is our plan B? Yes. You know, we didn't have a plan B. We didn't, I mean, we knew, and, and, and here's the bottom line of it. We knew that, and it was such a miracle that we were here, that we were together, that we were in this specific house that was one of the very first Lehman Brothers foreclosures after 40-some people had put in contracts to buy this house, nobody could until wow. we came along. Nobody could get the money on it until we came along. 
And I told my realtor, it must be meant for us. You know, I mean, I, I know God. I know how he works. And she just gave me this funny look. But it did work out. And the reason they couldn't get money is there was no kitchen. There were no bathrooms. It was uninhabitable. And you know how that goes. You're in the business. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it was all just a miracle. And the thing that kept resonating in my mind is God did not bring us this far just to drop us here in the desert. Yeah, amen. You know, and it all, everything worked out. I mean, sometimes you can say he's an 11th hour God, 1159, okay? Man, I feel like I've had a many of those. Yeah, but it it was always there when it needed to be. It was always there when it needed to be. Thankfully, we are so far beyond that now. I'm so grateful. Yeah, you and me both. I want to ask you, though, while you guys were doing that, what were some things, obviously, you and your husband were able to come together on that, but what were some things, I mean, that you guys did, or just scripture, you guys had to encourage each other what? Because, I mean, I I would consider myself a strong believer. I mean, there's there's days, or for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord and things are great, but I remember 2007 and 2008 very vividly, because uh, I was in the construction industry and I lost everything. Those are hard times. What did you guys do to push through that or what was going through your mind? You know, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, you have to do what you know to do. And that means, you know, I guess there's a saying that you move in the direction of your focus. So, you know, we would have our our teary moments and it's, okay, let's get back to work here, you know, and we would just do what we knew to do. And not to make it sound simplistic or anything, but, you know, you got to do what you know to do and do the best you can and then just trust that God's going to do his part. Yes, to cut you off. uh, Yes, I love that you said that because so many people need to hear that is what you said is you just do what you know to do. Like it's it is simple. Like I, I think sometimes we over spiritualize things and like as if God's going to show up, like obviously we're short on money or something. We're going through that situation like God's going to show up with, you know, a, a bag full of money is going to fall out of the sky or I'm going to mm-hmm. go fight. And, and don't get me wrong. I've I've had situations where people have showed up years ago and just said, man, I felt like the Lord told me to give this to you to help you out. Like, yes, that does happen. But yeah. I love what you said. You guys just did what you know to do. You trusted the Lord and you just went out and worked or did what or just moved in that direction. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, what else can you do? Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't, I'm, you know, I'll have my little itty bitty pity party, but, but I'm not really into pity parties. So, you know, you go through enough things in, you, in life and you realize that, you know, you just got to do what you got to do and you buckle down and, and focus the best you can, even when it looks like you're on the Titanic and you're sinking. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, it's sinking. I need you a know? life. I, need, I need, at least need a lifeboat. I need something to keep my head above water. Yeah. You just keep rowing, right? <laughs> yes. There is nothing like entrepreneurship to stretch your faith at all. T- I mean, I'm telling you, there's times with the Lord, I'm like, God, I don't know where you're at right now, but I really need you to show up because this is just not working. So uh, it could be great. Okay. Oh, yeah. So... This isn't for you. Honestly, you're obviously an entrepreneur. You've done several different things. So this isn't about just you having a Christian counseling program and stuff doing that. You've had many businesses. So you're an entrepreneur. You're not just a solopreneur. What is, when did you kind of realize, walk me through that step or a little bit of it 
to for our listeners. When you realize you were you're an entrepreneur, you're just like, man, I'm just not designed or made to work for somebody. I just need to do my own thing. And what was part of that journey or that process? Oh, the the very first time <laughs> I remember this is this goes back to when I was like five or six years old. Seriously, I was selling little marigolds that I would dig up out of my mother's garden to the neighbors. I would just go. <laughs> wow. You, you dug up your neighbors and marigolds? That's, <laughs> well, dude, the, the profits were great, man. It's a hundred percent, man. You were, you started off on the right foot. You're like, I'm going for a hundred percent profit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I was, I always enjoyed selling, but see, I think what it goes back to, is that I grew up in a very in a very poor home and my parents were great but they were immigrants from Europe after the second world war and so they basically came over with you know two suitcases full of rags after the war and they had nothing and they were fortunate to be able to create something here in this country and they eventually they bought a home bought a car paid for both lived on cash, never used credit and all that. But we grew up, my brother and I, in a home where we just didn't have much. And so for me to have anything, it was always, I mean, I guess I I just learned to be a scrapper, you know? It was just whatever I could put together so that I could have any money to do anything. Because, you know, all kids want to be like their neighbors. They want to be like other kids. They want to fit in. And I didn't fit in to begin with because I, you know, for a long time, I didn't even speak English. But then once I did, then I had to figure out how am I going to pay for things? I mean, I'm going to need lunch money. I'm going to need, you know, just you need things, right? You need school supplies. You need Kleenex. (laughs) So I had to figure out how I was going to put this all together. I love that you said that because I was thinking about I grew up in the in the vadio or the hood, whatever. And you say that I totally relate because you get scrappy. And sometimes I look at that and there is a little bit like I have a heart for people that are like that. And like, I get it. But the upside to that is, is exactly what you just said. Like you learn to be creative because I look around and I'm like, I don't have these things and I'm not going to get these things because my parents can't afford them. So I better figure out if I want this, I'm going to have to figure out how to make it work. And you start, uh, you talk about marigolds. I remember... The first business, business, whatever you want to call it, had was in like third or fourth grade. We were selling wire bracelets. A friend of mine worked for uh, AT&T. AT&T bought Mountain Bell, but whatever. We would make these wire bracelets on the bus, and we would sell them to our friends for a dollar. And that's how we made money. And and then later on, I mean, it was always something. So, yeah, you just learn to get creative. Yeah, yeah. Like buying candy for a penny, selling it for a nickel at recess. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It is so fun to do. So, okay. So, Dr. Bush, what do you feel like is your biggest strength or gifting in what you do? I would, I'd have to say it's writing and communication. And I never imagined that coaching or counseling would be so, would be about so much writing, but it is. I write all the time, all the time. And I've gotten really fast and good at it. 
That's awesome. Okay. Within that, do you find what is your weak? A lot of times, I I think we have an over, we can have an overextension of our strength, but I don't know if you can have an overextension of communication or in writing. But what would you say your biggest weakness is? For me, it's attraction to shiny objects and distraction. Oh, like because every other entrepreneur. <laughs> Yeah. When you're creative, everything inspires you and prompts new ideas. And then there's rabbit trails if we're not careful. And so those things, I mean, I've really learned to curtail most of that, but I still do it. I still get an idea or somebody says, says, well, I'm kind of stuck here. I've kind of got this idea. I'd like to do this. And I'm like, well, gee, but you can do that and you can put this and that together and then that would work. And then, you know, I build this whole thing out for them and they're like, wow, can I really do that? And I'm like, why not? Just do it. You know, start here. This is where you start. This is the next step. And, you know, I mean, for me, it's just, it just flows like that. But it also does it in my own life when it's not to my benefit because it pulls me away from the main thing. So that would be my weakness. That's funny you say that. So that's obviously another strength. There's a book, uh, Strength, Strengths Finder. And it's funny you said that because yeah. that's one of the strengths in Strengths Finder is uh, ideation or I- basically ideas. Yeah. And so it sounds like you're yeah. really gifted with ideas. And then what happens is, is you get so many of them, you got to weed through them for yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's always there's always too many ideas. Yes. You just, ideas. Yes. Okay. What is the biggest thing right now that God's stirring inside of you? Well, I'm really glad you asked that, John. And as you know, we have been in the Christian coaching and counseling arena since the early 2000s. And what's going on right now is that we are completing a new certification course for a brand new profession, the Certified Essential Oil Practitioner, which is actually, it's a natural health course at EssentialOilAcademy.com. And we're putting on the finishing touches. It's going to be launching this fall. The school is already accredited by AADP, which is the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. Every day, we're getting more and more requests for the course, and it's probably going to be the biggest thing we have ever undertaken. Wow. That's exciting. So what what would you get certified in? I mean, I know you kind of explained, but what would be the the point, I guess, or if that's what I'm asking, but... Why would somebody get certified? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, what what is it that I... If I come take your class, what am I going to learn? Okay. Okay. What the course does, it's actually, it's created. I mean, we've had this this huge industry come up with essential oils. Are you familiar with them at all? Yes, I am. I I actually, my wife and I owned a health food store for eight years. So very familiar with, yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, there's so many new people in that, in that market, companies like doTERRA, Young Living, and other companies that are selling these oils, but they don't really, I mean, there's like so many of them out there, they're competing with each other and nobody's doing really well. There's really no professional training and credentialing to separate them from the masses. So what our course does is gives them greater competency, understanding about the oils and their safety and their usage, the ability to consult with others when somebody says, well, I need, I've, I've got this kind of a problem, I, I need to know what I should do, that they can consult with them and give them some direction with that. It gives them credibility. And by doing all of that, it increases their earning potential. Yes. Okay. Totally makes sense. I think that's a great thing because there's a huge need for that. You just found a great niche. 
And uh, yeah, you're helping people really yeah. just become better salespeople, really. And with your permission, I would love to tell your listeners a little bit more about essential oils. Just because from I didn't know they even existed five years ago. Yeah. And what essential oils are, for anybody who isn't familiar with them, they are highly concentrated versions of the natural oils that are found in plants. They're extracted with a process called distillation, and most commonly it's by steam or water, and they are comprised of the plant's roots, leaves, stems, flowers, or bark. It really depends on the plant. Right. Now, while the oil is still in the plant, it provides the plant with protection against predators and disease. And since our biological makeup is similar, the oils have properties that have the capacity to heal our bodies and minds as well. Essential oils, in my view, are God's gift of healing from the earth. They were created, after all, by the same intelligent design that created you and me. Now, you probably remember the three wise men who brought frankincense, gold, and myrrh to baby Jesus, right? Yeah. Well, frankincense and myrrh are essential oils that had such high value and protective properties that were similar to anti-inflammatory medications and antibiotics we have today, that they gave those to Mary for Jesus to keep him healthy. Yeah. You might be aware of the various places in the Bible where it talks about anointing someone with oil, right? Yes. Well, for those who aren't familiar with essential oils, that's not just olive oil that a priest took and blessed. That was actually essential oils that were distilled from the plants. And that's why it had such great value in those days. But I would just add that to connect the dots for some people. No, I, re- I really think that, I mean, so many times, you know, my wife came on here, Casey, to talk. We talk about health. That's what we specialize in. Our first business was official business was actually a health food store. And so many people don't realize that the way we eat, the vitamins, the supplements, the things that we take, they have such a huge impact on the way we think, the way we feel, our hormones, all that stuff. Like you could be doing life like kicking in all cylinders except in your health area. And it can really affect mm-hmm. affect you because you're, you just don't feel good or you're always sick or something like that. So now, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because people really need to realize that, like, there is several phases of life besides just, like, relationships or business or all that that, like, man, we need to take care of ourselves. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. And we want... can't do good if we don't feel good. Yes. Absolutely. So, man, come on, somebody. Okay. Yeah. So, I want to ask you, what is a daily personal habit that allows you to have just a solid walk with Jesus? For me, it's prayer, prayer, and more prayer. Just keep that vertical connection strong. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. In in days that I'm not going vertical, I feel more dead, which is horizontal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah, and that's it. You know, there's for me, I pray Mm -hmm. before my feet ever hit the floor in the morning. And at various places, you know, at various points in my in my daily routine, whatever routine there is for an entrepreneur, but, you know, whenever there's a decision to be made or, you know, when there's anything, anything going on, you know, it just, it involves a prayer and connected. So that's important. Absolutely. What is a recent book you've read that, that you would possibly share with our listeners that was impactful for you? 
Okay. Uh, well, this isn't this isn't a a spiritual book, but it's Doesn't a really good yeah. book. Okay. Okay. The book is Selling the Invisible by Harry Beckworth. Uh, actually, and, the, just the title. That's a good title. I'm really curious on that one. Yeah. It's great for anyone who is selling an intangible service like coaching, counseling, or insurance. Because you have to sell that differently than you do a tangible object. Right. You know, because you can see a car and you can experience and drive a car, say, if you're selling a car. But when you're selling insurance, for example, what is that? It's a piece of paper. So with that or with coaching or counseling, you sell what it can, the benefit it can give your life. You sell the dream of what it will create for you. And so you have to do it a little bit differently. Yeah, it's a totally different aspect. So even in the construction business, it's selling people like they can't see the finished product yet. So Mm -hmm. you're trying to sell something of what it's going to look like, not necessarily what it looks like yet. So that's even kind of a weird thing, a gap there sometimes too. I learned that early when uh, I started flipping houses in my 20s that uh, one of the biggest mistakes ever made, this is funny, we completely demolished this house and I had borrowed money from an investor and I wanted to get them paid back soon. So I was really ambitious and I was showing people the house in like a half demoed state and I was walking them through like, and we're going to do this and the countertop's going to have this and it's got this floor and this and, and telling them all this, I'm excited. And I remember turning around looking on their face and they were like, this place is like, you could just tell on their face, like this place is a disaster. And I was so discouraged, man. I was like 23, somewhere like that, 24 years old. And and I remember telling my wife, and she was just like, honey, they can't see it. Like, you see it, but they don't. And then it dawned on me. I thought, I will never do that again. So I, I wait until the house is finished before I show it. But it, it took me a couple of those deer-in-the-headlight looks that I got before I figured that one out. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I, I'm like that, too. You know, and that's why I think it's, I prefer to buy a house that's already built versus build one because I just can't see it. I have I have to be able, if I'm going to invest that much, I want to see what it is I'm buying. The finished product. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to ask you this. We are going to go back in the DeLorean, which is back to the future. And we're going to go back to the past. And you get to go back to any age in your past And you're going to give yourself advice. Now, you can't change anything that you're going to go through in life, but you're going to give yourself a pep talk. What age would you go back to and what advice would you give yourself? Okay. Um, I think I would, I'd probably go back to the time when I graduated from college at Ohio State University. I was in my 20s and I would tell myself to focus more and be more disciplined in my work. Because, and I think this is just part of maybe being the entrepreneur personality type. I was kind of all over the place. You know, it's like somebody said, what do you want to be in life? I said, I want to be everything. Yeah. (laughs) I want to do, I want to be a flight attendant. I want to be a makeup artist. I want to, what else did I want to do? I mean, I had all these great girly ideas of what I wanted to do with my life. And I don't think any of them paid very well. But, you know, I would just say, you know, be more focused and be more disciplined. And I think I'd be further ahead now 
if I were more focused early on. I really admire those young people that are going out there and killing it. And they're like 25, 30 years old. So you went back and you're going to give yourself that advice. Now that you realize that, have you made that switch in your life or do you find it hard even knowing that with your personality and who you are to be more focused because we go back to that shiny object syndrome that we talked about earlier. Now that you recognize that, do you find that harder or are you doing a little better in that area? I'm more deliberate about it. And because it has been such a challenge for me, I think I'm just having created that awareness helps me a lot. And, you know, it's just a matter of, of growing and maturing sometimes and realizing what you really need to do with certain things, you know, and just you have you have to focus. You got to get the job done. Yes. You know, and and that takes discipline. And I think, you know, when you're self-employed, it takes a lot of discipline because basically you wake up unemployed every day. So (laughs) I find a new job every day. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, your day is what you make it, but you need to develop some kind of of rhythm to what you are doing, and then figure out things that you can do yourself that'll just bring you back to what you're supposed to do. And I've found, you know, making a list either the night before or early in the morning really helps me because then when I get distracted and pulled in all these different directions, and that's one of the cool things of working with for me, for working with my spouse, because he's really highly creative, too. So he's often coming into my office saying, hey, I've got this great idea. You know? You're like, oh, no. And I'm like, focusing. I'm focusing. I'm writing. <laughs> and, you know, like I'll put little blinders over my eyes like, writing? You know, see, yes. I'm writing? Go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. No, just, you know. Just working on staying focused. That's that's my focus. <laughs> I feel I have the same issue. I have to write sticky notes and stuff. And I got sticky notes in my car and on a whiteboard just to tell myself certain things because I'm a high believer in saying if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Yeah. So I have to keep it in sight so I can keep it in my mind, which goes back to the quote that you said earlier, which I've never heard before, but it says you move in the direction of your focus. Absolutely, you do. I mean, think about it. Think when when a child is learning to play baseball, what do they tell him when he's up to bat? Yeah. Keep your eye on the ball, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's much what you're going to aim at. Yes. Okay. As we wrap up the show, Dr. Bush, thank you so much for just all your wisdom and the stuff that you have shared with us. I want to ask you, as we wrap up, though, do you have a last piece of parting advice that you would like to share with our listeners? I do. And I actually, I was thinking this might be something that we'd be talking about. So I was, I had a bunch of them. And so I had to sort through and this one's a really juicy one. This is good. All right. I hear so many people say, I'm just not ready. My product's not ready. My website isn't perfect. I haven't done such and such. And they might also say, I don't have the experience. I don't have the resources or I don't have the credentials or I don't have the training or whatever it is. So in the blank, they, they are lacking this thing and it causes them to think they are not ready. But I just want to tell your listeners that readiness is a myth. Ready is not a genuine, real, authentic state. You're never going to feel completely ready to do something that scares you. 
So my feeling is do it anyway. Begin right now or even tomorrow, but you've got to start. Because it's by doing that thing that you're going to learn, you'll get the experience, you'll get the confidence to take each next step. Because we all start out as beginners, every one of us. So just give yourself permission to be a beginner and just go for it. That is great, great advice. I have a friend that's a coach, a good friend of mine, and he always says, just ship it. And he's like, man, I don't care if it's like almost like you're never going to be happy with it, especially as somebody who uh, like always has ideas or wants to make it better. Just get Uh your product out there. And then once it's out there, then start making changes if you need to or whatever you need to do, but just ship it and then tweak it as you go because you will never, ever be happy with it. And then, and like you said, I can't tell you how many people I've heard like uh, Frank Kern. These are big internet marketing guys that I've, that I've studied and researched, Mm -hmm. but they talk about, they laugh at their first products. They're like, I can't believe I put that out there, but they put something out there and now they're on the map. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to show up. You got to start. <laughs> Just do it, man. So Just that is it. that is great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that, Doctor Bush. How do we find you for our listeners that want to, that are interested in the oils program we're going to be starting, or Christian coaching, or any of that stuff? How do we connect with you? Well, I'll give you a couple of websites that your listeners can visit to learn more. The Professional Christian Coaching and Counseling Academy, I know that's a mouthful, but the website is simple. It's pccca.org, and we've got some free training and a resource bundle that you can sign up for there. And if you feel a nudge from God, just get yourself started in some professional training. You know, the Essential Oil Academy is EssentialOilAcademy.com if you're interested in learning more about that. Because, I mean, after all, the more we develop ourselves and our skills, the more God can use us and the more valuable we're going to be to the kingdom. Amen. Couldn't agree with you more on that one. So, well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Dr. Bush, hold on just a second as we close out. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Roar Nation, don't forget to jump on our website, areyoureal.org. We'll have all the information to connect with Dr. Bush. We also have on the right side my book, Remodel Your Life. It is a guide, plan, purpose, find purpose, find your passion, and make the changes you need to in your life to go in the direction that you need to go that God has for you. Also, please get on iTunes, rate, and review us. Send me an email if you want to hear somebody got some suggestions. I love your emails. I reply to about 99.9% of them with the time that I have. So I'm doing pretty good. So go ahead and send them over. Love to hear what you think about the show or who you want to hear. Again, like we brought on more women on the show. So that's what we're doing. So anyways, I love you guys. Thank you so much for being part of The Real Nation. And remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Oh, 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 oh,